The White House is facing congressional obstruction of its war authority and its right to hire and fire federal prosecutors. U.S. Senator John Cornyn is set to join us to discuss these challenges. And with the current balance of power, understanding the Constitution is more important than ever. We'll talk about a new effort to make that happen. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Calm down with the threats. There's a new Congress in town. All right, that's Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. She's scolding the president. What does the president think about her? Some have wondered how the two of us would get along. Some say she's bossy, she's opinionated, she's not to be crossed. Hey, I get along with my mother. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's President Bush joking uh, at a dinner, radio, television, correspondence dinner, but it's actually no joke what's going on in Washington because there's a huge tug of war going on between the White House, the President, and the Congress and the Senate. Who has the right to hire and fire federal lawyers, political appointees, and who has the right or the authority to lead forces, U.S. forces, in the field of battle. That's being debated. It's hot, Penna. We're scheduled to hear from U.S. Senator John Cornyn in a few minutes, and um, there's a lot going on here. We'll talk about it. Well, there really is. First of all, the new Congress today officially sealed uh, its position on an issue we talked about yesterday with Tom DeLay, and that's attaching a timetable for bringing the troops home from Iraq to a bill that actually funds the military. And the vote today was uh, 51 to 47 because one Democrat senator, Ben Nelson, actually changed his vote. Yesterday it was 50 to 48. Uh, But that happened, and President Bush says that congressional Democrats are wrong if they think he's going to back down on his veto threat. Some of them believe that by delaying funding for our troops, they can force me to accept restrictions on our commanders that I believe would make withdrawal and defeat more likely. That's not going to happen. And then there's this other showdown between the Congress and the president, this effort by the congressional majority to get the attorney general, Gonzalez, fired. That's in the news today. And as you said, Dr. Johnson, Senator John Cornyn of Texas uh, is set to join us. He's on the panel that heard testimony today from Justice Department officials. He was there. He asked some questions. We're hoping that he'll be able to join us because actually those hearings are still going on. We're going to ask him if he thinks the attorney general will be forced to resign and where he thinks this is going to go. 
And then later in the program, we have Lorianne Updock. Sometimes we wonder, uh, you know, what is the connection between history, our heritage, and practical issues today? And she's involved in a project preserving founding documents, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Federalist Papers, putting those documents on the web and uh, we're going to talk to her about how that plays out on these issues mm-hmm. because whether or not the president can fire federal employees that is a constitutional issue whether or not the president or the congress are in charge of forces in the field that's a constitutional issue and so i think it'll be fascinating to see who is right the congress or the president but larry let's go to the british let's go to the UN. Let's go to this hostage crisis. As you'll recall, 15 British sailors are being held hostage. Held hostage by whom? By the Iranians. And here we have Britain, their ambassador, the United Nations, saying the detention is illegal, and Iran doctored the report on where they found Um, and captured these sailors, and here it is. When they realized the mistake, um, the the Iranian coordinates were changed so that the vessels appear, according to those coordinates, to be in Iranian waters. Okay, yesterday we had uh, this fake sort of a statement that the Iranians forced this uh, woman sailor to make, saying, oh, you know, it was our fault, we were in the wrong waters. Uh, that was a put-up job, and we've seen the terrorists do that before. We saw Saddam Hussein do that before when he held hostages. And then, of course, today we find out that initially the Iranians turned in coordinates mm-hmm. and claiming, you know, that these folks were in uh, Iranian waters, but actually the coordinates verified the British story that they were in Iraqi waters. So now they've changed their coordinates. They've revised their report. And so now the Iranians are saying, oh, we got those coordinates wrong. Uh, Here are the coordinates now. See, they were in uh, Iranian waters, and this was a legal kind of a seizure. And uh, I think, Pena, uh, we're headed for a situation where we could see some force. I'm looking right now here at at a story where Tony Blair is saying, we will not negotiate with Iran. So I think we could be headed for some kind of a force... A conflict here. It's a little bit scary because you've got some of the uh, the protesters there in Iran actually asking for these, um, they're calling them British aggressors, to be executed. So you have that element in it. You've got, of course, this buildup of U.S. force. You've got Tony uh, Blair and uh, the Foreign Secretary of, um, of Britain, Beckett, talking fairly tough. Uh, but the U.N., I mean, some of the words that they use, like deplore, sound a little, you know, mushy and iffy to me. So, you know, I don't know if we can depend on on the, really the UN to do anything. But, you know, if you don't act quickly in these situations, these hostage situations, they can go on forever. And the Iranians had promised uh, to release the, the one female. And they they uh, now, just because Great Britain says they're going to freeze negotiations on certain issues, they've backed off on that. They're not releasing her now. So they've got all 15 of them. And, you know, they're trying to say uh, they're doing fine and show pictures of them eating. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'd hate to be in their situation. All right. Well, President Bush had a lot of fun uh, at this um, radio television correspondence he dinner. Did. But he's feeling the heat right now 
on the firing of these lawyers. Here's President Bush on the lawyers. I have to admit we really blew the way we let those attorneys go. You know you've botched it when people sympathize with lawyers. (laughs) Okay, when Bill Clinton came into office, he fired scores of lawyers that had been Republican appointees. President Bush did not do that. But at this point uh, in his administration, his team fired eight lawyers. But boy, they're being raked over the coals here. So here's the question I want to pose out there for our people. We heard from Tom DeLay yesterday, and we heard about the criminalization of politics Mm -hmm. and the bitter partisanship between Republicans and Democrats right now. And we have two areas of presidential authority. He is the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, yet the Congress and the Senate are trying to reverse a course of action which they set years ago when they said we authorize the president to use force if he thinks it's necessary in Iraq. And they're saying, wait a minute now, we've changed our mind. We want to put these deadlines out there, and particularly all these battlefield conditions and training conditions. So the question I put to you out there, folks, is do you think the Congress is trying to usurp the president's authority, his constitutional authority. Likewise, when it comes to these federal prosecutors, the president has the authority, as Bill Clinton did, to hire and fire these federal prosecutors. Do you think the Congress stepping in here, trying to come up with some major expose and get Attorney General Gonzalez fired, do you think the Congress is trying to usurp the president's authority? The number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. And another interesting twist is we're talking about the presidency. Today, it was revealed that Rudy Giuliani has a new ally. Penna, tell mm-hmm. us about it. Steve Forbes. Uh, Steve Forbes, of course, ran for president at one time, and he's the heir to the Forbes fortune. He heads up Forbes, Ma- uh, Forbes magazine. He's a real economic conservative and a tax cutter. And uh, it's interesting, I heard him speak a couple of weeks ago when he was saying, conservatives, you ought to keep your powder dry. Don't support anybody yet. Push everybody to the right. I was really surprised to hear today that he's going to be heading up. He's going to be one of the leading advisors for uh, Rudy Giuliani's campaign. It almost feels like this week, Giuliani is gaining some of the momentum. That's right. And Pete Sessions, Congressman Pete Sessions, supporting Giuliani. And what's interesting about Forbes is this. The first time Forbes made a run for the presidency, social conservatives did not support him because he was pro-choice. The second time Forbes made a run, he converted to pro-life. And before George Bush came out, uh, Falwell, Pat Robertson, and some others were going to support Forbes because he had become pro-life. Now we know how important that issue was for him because he's coming out that early, this early, supporting Giuliani, who's pro-abortion, pro-homosexual marriage. Yeah, he's all about the economic Pro-gun control. And Forbes, I think, really shows now that that pro-life position that he took years ago was... uh, just a political lesson learned, not really a matter of conviction, probably. Folks, what do you think? The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting how there have always been forces throughout uh, the, the past few decades of our political history that have tried to push the pro-lifers to the back of the bus in the Republican Party. There have been uh, efforts to try to get it out of the Republican platform. And, you know, that isn't going to happen because there are too many pro-lifers out there 
that are active. But I still see that in this presidential race, that there's this this idea among a lot of conservatives, many conservatives, that the pro-life issue is just sort of a stepchild. But it's not to so many people. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. All right. We've got callers on the line. Michael from Saginaw. Thank you so much for calling, Michael. You're on the air. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to uh, make a comment about the issue of the authority um, of the president to make to make war that has to be authorized by the Congress. Yes. Um, well, I just think that the war that the Congress authorized back in 2003 is not necessarily the same war that's being fought today. Hmm. Just the situation has changed so much. Originally, we thought there was weapons of mass destruction. We had a dictator over there. And... Just what's happening now is the consequences of our removal of those items, but it's just very different. And I think the Congress needs to, like, has the right to um, you know, rethink, should we be over there, should we be doing what we're doing, and how should we go about doing this? Thanks for calling, Michael. I understand that opinion, but I think there's a mistaken notion there. Once the Congress authorizes the use of force and the president to engage the use of force, which they did, I don't think then they can turn around a few years later and say, oh, now that all these soldiers are committed, now that these lives have been given, now that we've uh, toppled a government and we're trying to set up a new one, uh, now we'll, we'll change um, the motion and the momentum of this. I, I just don't think we can do that, or no one's going to take us seriously as a nation when we commit ourselves to a cause Making a big mistake there. We've got Robert Frazier on the line about political appointments. Robert, you've got about 30 seconds here. We're low on time. Robert, you're on the air. They always change with the administration, the appointment of the United States attorneys always have, all the political parties have. They even do that to the assistants, which are the lower people, which I was one in the Dallas office, and there's nothing new about it. Uh, that's just the way it is, and there's uh, a bad political uh, public relations job being done by the Republicans that right. stood up and said, yes, it's a political appointment it's a political termination. Thanks, Robert. I think that brings some perspective and personal experience to this. Well, when we come back, we're going to find out who is right according to the Constitution, who is right according to the Bill of Rights, who is right according to our founding and governing documents. Also, we've heard Senator Cornyn is going to try to come in at 530. So stay tuned. Senator Cornyn scheduled to come on at 530. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. I have no intention of becoming a lame duck president. Unless, of course, Cheney accidentally shoots me in the leg. <laughs> All right, that's President Bush talking at the radio and television correspondence dinner. A lighthearted moment, but there's a lot of heat right now. There's a lot of controversy on Capitol Hill about war powers, who's in control, the Congress or the President. A lot of controversy about these political appointed lawyers. Who has the right to hire and fire them? The President? Why is Congress so worked up about this? We've got a caller on the line, Diane from Royce City. Diane, you're on the air. Hi there. I'm calling about the previous caller that said that what was going on before was not going on now is why Congress wants out of there. Mm. Uh, if he listened regularly, like I do, they, you had the gentleman on there that had the proof that the massive destructive weapons were really existed and were moved, and they, they still exist. Congress doesn't care. They just don't want a Republican president to do anything. They don't care if the president fires lawyers, but he has to be a Democrat. Hey, thanks, Diane. I'm, not, I'm, I'm glad you are listening because we had uh, the evidence from General Sada's book here presented on this program that those weapons of mass destruction were taken to Syria on an airplane. I believe that to be true. I believe it's accurate. And never forget this. They did find those plans for nuclear capacity uh, buried. They brought those plans out. The man testified that they were trying to get this nuclear capacity ramped up again. And so, and then there were all kinds of conventional weapons there. And so, uh, I think you're right. Congress changed the standard midstream for political reasons. And uh, we need to, though, go beyond, I think, uh, uh, these kinds of arguments to talk about who really has the authority constitutionally to wage war and to lead the troops and to hire and fire these lawyers, Penna. You know, as we've been saying today, the Constitution has everything to do with uh, how we do government. As a matter of fact, most of the big challenges that we face in government today, including the ones we've talked about on the program today, and much of what is in the news, concerns these battles between the White House and the Congress. We're really getting down to this question, what does the Constitution say about this? What did the founders mean when they built in this uh, separation of powers? And our next guest uh, has a lot to say about that. She is Lorianne Updike. She is a constitutional attorney, and she's an elect, uh, executive director of the Constitutional Resource Project. Welcome, Lorianne. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. Lorianne, I want you to listen to uh, just a piece of audio from the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, as she talked about uh, really the win that her party had, at least uh, recently, with regard uh, to what they're saying about what's going on in Iraq. He says, I forbid, veto me, I forbid, I forbid accountability. I forbid additional assistance in health needs, meeting the health needs of our military and our veterans. So she's really talking about President Bush's uh, veto threat uh, with regard to this effort on the part of the Congress to micromanage the war to pull the troops home uh, at a date certain. And, Lorianne, I guess the first question I have for you before we talk about your project is, does Congress have this authority to dictate military policy? Well, I think all of these questions should start with, okay, well, what do we have in the Constitution? And Article 1, Section 8 definitely says that Congress has the power to declare war. It also gives them the power every two years to determine, it gives them the purse strings, essentially. 
So as Madison said in Federalist 78, um, the president has the sword and Congress has uh, the purse. And so that's exactly what we're saying. If they really wanted us to get out, then they would deny the funding uh, at this time. Okay, so you've just cited not only the Constitution, but you've also cited what one of the founders said about the Constitution. And when we look at what the U.S. Constitution has, a lot of times we say, well, we want to know what the intent of the founders was for this. So tell us why it's important to look at the writings of the, uh, of the founders uh, in addition to the Constitution. Well, I think that uh, any time you have a constitutional question, um, you know, if I'm looking at, at any, any author, any text written, I want to know... Um, who, the pe- who the person was who wrote it, and other writings uh, to try and determine what they meant. Um, I mean, and it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you are um, on, per se. I've, uh, I've worked with Justice Breyer and Justice Scalia on this project, and Justice Scalia definitely feels like it should be more determinative, but Justice Breyer says this is one of the things that we need to consider when looking at the Constitution. So I don't think it falls down party lines, per se, but uh, when, when you look at the Constitution, it's, and, and uh, it's a little bit similar to, um, say, an interpretation of Christ's parables. When you look at the parables, you've got to understand, say, the parable of the sower. You've got to understand what's behind this. What, it, what, what is the, the wayside, and what is the... Um, the, the thorns and the, and, and the things. So, if that, you're simply reading the Constitution, you also need to understand sort of what was in the heart, what was in the mind of the founders as they wrote it. So, so right. Lorianne, tell us about the Constitutional Resource Project and how you've uh, launched this, and you know how it's going. Well, we've uh, been working on this for about two years, and <laughs> it got started as actually back in 2004 as a high school senior project of the son of an, of an attorney in New York who clerked uh, for Justice Rehnquist once upon a time. And they wanted to actually put all the original documents for the religion clauses online. And the attorney took his son down to the Supreme Court one day, and they copied off documents all day. And finally, his son turned to his dad and said, Dad, these documents are really cool, but this is really boring. So the project kind of stopped there. Um, till about a year later, uh, Randy had told me about, Randy was the attorney up there, and uh, he told me about this project, and um, I had done an extensive research. I read everything that Jefferson ever wrote or received on the Constitution and realized that these documents, these sounding documents, are scattered in hundreds, literally hundreds of archives. They are not all in the National Archives. They're not on the Library of Congress. So if you want to figure out what the, what, what the founders want to tell us about any particular issue of the day, you've got to travel. And uh, so I... So it's kind of hard to find these documents, and in the yeah, age of the absolutely. Internet, they should be much more available, shouldn't they? Right, right. And people expect this to be online, and it's not. We don't have the words of the founders online in one comprehensive place. And what's more than that, Penna, it, there's something that happens when people go into the National Archives and they see the Constitution for the first time. They realize that these people lived and that they had, you know, they see the handwriting and they, and they realize that, you know, this was not a foregone conclusion and they had passions and prejudices and they disagreed. Um, that's one of the fun things about original research is you, you try to figure out what they meant, um, but oftentimes they did disagree. And particularly in, the term, in terms of war powers, um, you see, 
you know, there, there's, there's two contexts here that are important to understand. One is that they're coming out of uh, a, monar- a monarchy. And, it, and in reaction to the mon- monarchy in 1776, shortly after independence was declared, they created the, the founders created the Articles of Confederation. And they gave all war powers to the legislature because they did not like what King George had done. Then the Constitution comes along, and they try to separate out war powers between the president and Congress. And Congress, of course, can declare war and fund it. And they also, um, according to most founders, should also have the power of peace. And the president, then, is the commander-in-chief. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Lorianne Updike, president and executive director of the Constitution Resource Project. Lorianne, good to talk to you again. And uh, I want to play to you uh, a soundbite from Senator John Kyle uh, about uh, this controversy. I can't remember another time in history when the United States, in the middle of war, has set a deadline and, and, and basically told the world that we'll be out by this specific date. Okay, uh, Lorianne, you've, you've gotten some into this uh, war powers controversy. Uh, do you believe, uh, you've talked about the power of the purse, the power of the sword. Do you believe setting deadlines and training regimens? And uh, do you believe Congress has crossed the line here uh, in its dealings with the president? What do you think? Well, as the, as the head of, of the Constitutional Sources Project, I need to say that, you know, I would look to what the founders, um, why, they, why they divided out war powers and right. how they did that. You've got England on one side and reacting to King George, giving all the powers to the legislature initially. And then you've got George Washington. And George Washington is a great uh, model that they tried to pattern in the Constitution. He was the commander-in-chief, and he made mistakes. He, he lost more battles than he won in the Revolution. And yet, you know, he, he won ultimately in the Congress because they knew eventually that he was a foregone, it was a foregone conclusion that he would be the first president, vested the, the um, commander-in-chief power in the president. And so in terms of this situation, um, I have an, or, an organization which is not political, but right. uh, I do think it's important to look to the founders, and here clearly George Washington is the model. Lorianne Updike, President and Executive Director of the Constitution Resource Project. Lorianne, could you give us the website for your project? Absolutely. www.consource, that's C-O-N as a Nancy, source.org. We've got uh, just a minute before the break, Lorianne, but tell us what's going on in Dallas next week with regard to your group. Absolutely. We are hosting Ken Starr uh, next week. He actually uh, is not just delivering a speech for us there. He's um, actually deli- delivering George Washington's first inaugural address. We're trying to make these documents cool. come alive and allow the That's founders great. to talk to us. And so how can people get more information if they like to come? Well, they can go to the website. It's consource.org slash events, and they can sign up there and, and look for um, more information about the, the event. We'd love to have them. Well, I'm going to be there, and I can't wait. Lorianne, <laughs> it's good to hear your voice. Hope to see you there, and we hope to have you back sometime. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. All right, folks, when we come back, we're going to talk about religious hate speech, religious toleration, just an excuse to muzzle Christianity and our criticisms of Islam. You can weigh in on it when we come right back.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. A year ago, my approval rating was in the 30s. My nominee for the Supreme Court had just withdrawn. And my vice president had shot someone. Those were the good old days. <laughs> okay, that's President Bush, the comedian, laughing at himself. And yes, the good old days, because uh, he's under a lot of fire right now. We'll keep you up to date on the latest developments, the war in Iraq, and also uh, this controversy over the firing of eight U.S. attorneys. But uh, as Christians, this show is about the Christian worldview. We're very concerned that Christians have the freedom to witness, to evangelize, to engage in apologetics. And that means comparing Christianity over and against other religions and other Jesus over and against other religious leaders. And the UN Human Rights Commission has uh, been calling for laws against the defamation of religion. Now, that sounds good in principle. And people think, oh, you know, we shouldn't be ugly to other people, and we shouldn't call them names, and we shouldn't be criticizing other people. There's well, a dark side to that. Though. There is, and that comes at a high price when we sacrifice freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And um, I want you to listen to some analysis here. This is the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. Their worker, Angela Wu, she urging she's urging the UN Human Rights Commission to oppose, to oppose these laws against the defamation of religion. Listen carefully, because she's saying this is a pro-Muslim move. It looks like they have a pretty strong voting block, and I imagine those countries were not very happy to hear that we were calling these religious defamation laws what they are, their thought control. All right. Human rights legislation. You need to be thinking about this, because the United Nations has been moving in this area for some time, and what they mean by this is this... International law, human rights law, that uh, every president, every Supreme Court judge, every congressman in human in UN speak, they're under the authority of these kinds of laws. And so are pastors, though, and so are citizens of various countries. It doesn't matter what our Constitution says. It doesn't matter what our Bill of Rights says. If the U.N. has passed this kind of a law, we're all under that authority, they think. They say. That's the U.N. They try to make it so. Way of thinking. And Wu is saying that these laws against religious defamation are deceptive in the way they claim to promote tolerance. There's a distinct difference between promoting religious tolerance in civil society and having the state outlaw any speech that would offend a particular religious sensibility. So you move from the right of the speaker to the right of the hearer not to hear something that they don't like. All right, so there were two Australian pastors, for instance, who were prosecuted under a similar kind of a law because they were comparing the Koran to the Bible, comparing Muhammad to Jesus, and they were actually being prosecuted under this kind of a national law uh, in Australia. And what the UN is wanting to do is make this a universal kind of a law, that you cannot criticize 
another religion, another religious leader. And Pena, I'm concerned that this is going to stifle uh, free speech, religious free speech, evangelism, missions, apologetics, and even our kind of a program, according to this law, our kind of program would be out of bounds. You know, when everyone gets to speak and uh, tout the benefits of their religion, Christianity usually wins. We're not afraid of that. So Christians should not be afraid of uh, somebody criticizing our religion. But um, Islam... They like to take over the state. So in Muslim countries, the religion of Islam is the religion of the state. So they have a vested interest in stopping anybody from uh, from criticizing or saying anything bad about it. And that's really, I think, where this is coming from. You know, Angela Wu talks about uh, this voting block. And we need to realize our so-called allies, Saudi Arabia, uh, Kuwait, uh, even Israel. And I'm a pro-Israel kind of a guy. But Israel really does not allow for religious free speech, religious freedom, uh, conversion. If you're a Christian, you go over there and try to pass out tracts or preach on a street corner, you're going to be in the doghouse really quick quick with uh, the Israelis, uh, the Saudis, uh, the Egyptians, uh, certainly the Chinese. And um, I want to know what our folks think out there. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. Do you think this... Um, hate speech kind of legislation, religious toleration speech kind of legislation, stifling our freedom of speech. Let's go back to Angela Wu. She says, outlawing the defamation of religion could stifle our expression of faith. Here she is. Offensive speech could really range from somebody declaring to a Muslim that they believe Jesus was the Son of God, or a Muslim declaring to a Jew that Muhammad was the last prophet, or, you know, a Jew declaring to somebody else that Jews are the chosen people. I wonder if we're already under Sharia law. You know, we know the Muslims want uh, Sharia law. That's the goal of Islam, uh, ideological Islam. They want that in Europe. They want it in England. They want it even in the United States. They want it in Minnesota and Michigan. So uh, if we go under Sharia law, it means this. No cartoons about Muhammad. You can't criticize Muhammad. Uh, you can't compare him or contrast him with Jesus in an aggressive kind of a way. And I think we may already be under a de facto kind of Sharia law because our papers didn't print the uh, Muhammad cartoons. They'll print all kinds of cartoons mm-hmm. about Jesus or the president or the pope. But they would not reprint those Muhammad cartoons. There was a reason, and that is they were bowing to Islamic Sharia law and sensibilities. And I think this kind of legislation is a bowing to Sharia law. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. We've got Frank on the line from Little Elm. Frank, thank you so much for calling. What do you think about this U.N. legislation? Well, Jerry, personally, I think it's extremely dangerous, and it very much usurps the First Amendment rights and frankly, I'm concerned anytime we've got anything with the U.N. interfering with the United States Constitution. I mean, historically, look what's happened in Europe, the European Union. I mean, you even now have laws because of the European Union. When you join the EU, you're bound by their laws, which have laws like this that prohibit any kind of discrimination against any other organization. And that's frightening. I'm certainly against the U.N. anyway, so obviously I would be opposed to this. Hey, thanks so much, Frank. You know, we were just talking to Lorianne about the Constitutional mm-hmm. Project, and I'm looking here at Article um, 1 
Congressman shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting free exercise thereof or abridging freedom of speech. Article 1, the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, was about free speech and freedom of religion. They go together, and that is freedom to proclaim your truth and to criticize the uh, the other lie, if you believe it to be so, and uh, let's let's battle it out in the public square. Let's uh, let's go at it. It's the beauty of our form of government. We can do that. We got Cody on the line from Fort Worth. Cody, what do you make of this? God bless you and your program. Well, thank you, Cody. Well, <laughs> um, you know, listening to your program today, um, I really find myself hearing what you're saying and having almost a feeling of panic well up inside that what what is an individual uh, a concerned christian like like me do about this well pray first of all we don't have to panic i think cody i mean i know the feeling i feel it a lot of times when i watch the evening news or look at the internet uh look at the news sites and i think oh it's out of control and i think we need to pray step back take a deep breath and know that god is sovereign god is in control but then he has called us to be salt and light and uh, Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. And as uh, Christians know, in a democratic republic, we are the government of, for, and by the people. We've got to get involved. We've got to get informed. You need to be a precinct uh, worker in your area, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. You need to put forth people in your precinct to go to the next level and the next level and the state convention, the national convention that will uh, honor our founding principles here in America. And I think... Um, Supporting the right kind of presidential candidates, uh, getting involved in grassroots campaigns, maybe running for office yourself. But uh, we certainly do not need to bow to the U.N., and we must not uh, allow any president or any Congress to say we're under the authority of the United Nations. We are not, and our soldiers should not be under U.N. command. But there's a real case, Pena, um, over in Sweden. Tell us about that recently, and this had to do with preaching about homosexuality. It did. It was uh, uh, Pastor Alka Green in Sweden, and he just preached the Bible and read some scriptures from his pulpit, and he was jailed. uh, And the court case went uh, pretty far in Sweden. Uh, Finally, uh, an American group, the Alliance Defense Fund, went over and had to defend him, and he he was released. But it was just simply for preaching biblical truth about homosexuality. And this is just where we're going. And uh, we can talk later about the hate crimes bills that have been introduced in our Congress. It's the same idea of criminalizing speech and criminalizing thought. thought. Mm. And, uh, you know, you mentioned our elected officials and how important they are. In the state of Texas, we actually elect judges. And so to know uh, where your judge stands on the Constitution and the First Amendment would be important before uh, you vote for him. Because I think as we were talking today, a lot of this gets down to just the importance of staying true to the U.S. Constitution. Well, it's really interesting, you know, going back to uh, Cody, you know, God uh, is able to reverse a situation meant for evil and turn it to good. I know these guys up in Sweden, what actually happened is they got to talk in the court of law, and it was televised and recorded about what Mm -hmm. they had said in the pulpit. And so actually this pastor got to talk about Romans 1, um, in the public venue, it was televised for the whole nation, more or less. Not just the in his sermon church. that was forbidden was actually delivered to the public via that court of law. So God has a way of getting the upper hand every time. When we come back, we've got Paul on the line. We've got Russell on the line. We want your comments. Do you think 
This uh, hate speech and religious toleration speech kind of legislation has gotten out of hand. Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. The Islamo-terrorist agenda, the Islamo-fascist agenda, uh, this is all interconnected. And I want you to listen to... Defense Secretary Robert Gates. He's speaking before the Defense Subcommittee in the House. He says he doesn't expect the global war on terrorism to end anytime soon. The challenge we are going to face from um, the jihadists is one that's going to be with us for decades. Going to be with us for decades. Now, hang on. It's connected to this tolerance and religious speech kind of issue. Just hang on and think about that for a moment. This conflict is going to be with us for decades, the jihadist, the extremist, the Islamo-fascist attack on the West and our way of life. Here's Secretary Gates talking about uh, a strategy. I think that we and other nations need to uh, look at the uh, issues that give ri- at social and political and economic conditions that give rise to the kind of despair that would lead people to strap on suicide vests. I disagree. I think that's a very dangerous statement, Pena, because... um, It's excusing it. It is excusing it. And one of the great uh, PR strategies is this, for the aggressor to present himself as the victim. Mm -hmm. And I think he's fallen into a trap there. Yes, I know there's some poverty over there, and I know there's some need and want over there, but nothing excuses strapping on these explosives and blowing up civilians, women and children, and cutting heads off of reporters. Nothing could excuse that. People have been far poor for most of human history and oppressed uh, throughout human history in a much greater way than anybody over there could claim to have been oppressed by the Westerners or the imperialists or anybody else. And so I think he's fallen into a trap there to say, well, we've got to understand their grievances you know, and why they would put on the suicide vest. And so I think the aggressor looking like the victim, and I think that's the same strategy here with these uh, religious uh, toleration laws. Essentially, we cannot criticize. Criticize who? Criticize, really, the aggressor in this situation. That is Islam coming in to Great Britain, coming into the United States, and they're saying, wait a minute, you can't criticize Muhammad. You can't criticize the Koran. You can't have pictures or cartoons of Muhammad. Do you buy this kind of UN authority, folks? We've got 
Paul on the line from Frisco. Paul, what do you think about this? I uh, agree with you perfectly that hate crime speech legislation is nothing more than a backdoor censorship directed almost in this country exclusively at uh, Bible-based Christians about any other kind of uh, hate speech is tolerated. Uh, it's, it's just an old tactic of the left that they know they can never get their agenda through the democratic process under the Constitution of the United States. And that's why they keep dusting off this, let's do what the U.N. does. That's why the Carter Center has their convention where they say, we need to look outside the United States for our legal precedents and so mm. on. It's, you know, you can't get what you can here with the American people voting, so you have to pretend that there's a higher, wiser power over in the U.N. building and try to subjugate us into that. Hey, thanks, Paul, for mm-hmm. that comment. It's very interesting Good that point. C- cities like San Francisco, cities like Denver, have already been creeping up to this line. Uh, Denver said clearly years ago, we don't want the Southern Baptist Convention because of your position on homosexuality. San Francisco says, hey, acquire the fire. This youth group, uh, they're not welcome really in our city. We don't want them because uh, they have this pro-traditional marriage stance. And so they really don't want freedom of speech. They don't want the marketplace of ideas. And I do believe in San Francisco we're going to see increasing pressure on churches and radio stations um, to toe the line. Wow. Well, we've got Russell on the line from Wiley. Russell, what do you think? You're on the air. Yes, um, you know, I'm in the military where we have to watch what we say and do when it comes to religious talk anyway, and it it very greatly concerns me whenever our government starts looking to other places like the U.N. on direction of how they should go forward. And so, you know, I'm already constrained a little bit in the military, and I certainly wouldn't want to take any more of that on my personal side outside when I'm in, the, you know, the civilian. And you wouldn't want to serve under the U.N.? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, thanks, Russell, for that call. We've got Jim on the line from Fort Worth. Jim, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Jerry. I'd like to ask, can President Bush sign a presidential directive that Congress won't fund the war? Can he sign a presidential get around it, and I'll just hang up and listen. You know, actually, we've got some sound from the president. Let's look for that, Larry, because he talks about the fact, and this is sort of an ominous date on the horizon, that you know he's going to veto the um, these dates and these artificial mm-hmm. uh, qualifications, but the, he's going to run out of money sometime in April, and the president uh, comments on the fact that this is not a political game. We're actually going to run out of money here, uh, real soon. Funding for our forces in Iraq will begin to run out in mid-April. Members of Congress need to stop making political statements and start providing vital funds for our troops. Before we end the program, I want to mention that uh, uh, Senator Cornyn's office did call in, and uh, the only time he was able to get away from the hearings was during our break. Yes. So we'll be getting him back on. I also want to uh, give the website in uh, out again for Consource. It's uh, www.consource.org org or the local phone number to get involved in this event next week with Ken Starr uh, being George Washington and giving the first inaugural address. Uh, that number is 214-749-4792. And that's, of course, to help support this whole effort to get these uh, source documents for the Constitution online. So I just wanted to make sure you had that information. Okay. And back to Jim's question. I think the president's answer is pretty clear. The president uh, is acknowledging that he's running out of money. Money. 
He's running out of money. And so I think what you could say and would have to say, Jim, is uh, no, he cannot sign a directive to fund the war unless he defunds all the bases as commander-in-chief and and moves the money over. He really just can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think Congress is uh, back to Vietnam. And I think it's so telling that Ted Kennedy said, this president is taking us through Vietnam again, when actually it's the Congress that's doing that again. They're not learning the lesson of Vietnam. Once we've committed our troops, once the president and the generals have a strategy, have a plan, Congress must support them. The country must support them. But I'm really concerned about uh, these other themes. They're all interconnected. When the U.N., the U.N., the United Nations, we've talked about these constitutional documents, these founding Mm -hmm. documents, Um, Article 1, Religious Freedom, the Bill of Rights, Article 1, Freedom of Speech, and the U.N. threatening that. Article 2, the right to keep and bear arms. The U.N. is wanting to disarm people around the globe, and they want to make it illegal for you to own a handgun. Uh, later on in the Constitution, we see our president and our Congress declaring war. Our president is the commander-in-chief, but the U.N. is wanting to take that authority. They want to authorize any invasion. They want to authorize any war, and uh, they want to provide their commanders for our troops. So I say the U.N. is a very unconstitutional uh, kind of operation. And no matter what they say about religious speech, remember what those early Christians said in the book of Acts. When they were forbidden from talking about the name of Jesus, the early Christians said, we will obey God rather than man. We have to talk about Jesus. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.